Hello out there, breadwinners. This is Regina, and you are listening to Office Politics Radio, a podcast dedicated to helping you with your work life. You can get in touch with me and find out more about me and my show at officepoliticsradio.com. You can also follow the links to my Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn pages, or you can email me directly at Regina at officepoliticsradio.com. Jeremy Weiss here. Today we have Regina Romeo who has 20 years of experience in human resources. Regina has a degree in psychology and criminal justice, a master's, and is a PhD candidate. She has been an expert witness for the past nine years in cases all over the country. She is host of OfficePoliticsRadio.com. Her philosophy is this is HR, not ER. Although sometimes you cannot tell the difference because she's dealt with everything from bomb threats to workplace violence to people using a conference room as a bedroom. So if you haven't heard past episodes, you need to hear her amazing, crazy stories. And this episode is brought to you by ReginaRomeoConsulting.com. If you are an HR professional and you want to learn more about how to get started as an expert witness, contact Regina. She can give you the first few steps to help get your business off the ground. If you are already advanced, she can give you steps to get to the next level. Um, Today, uh, we will be talking about expert witness uh, information and stories around firing, particularly around discrimination. Yes. Uh, Regina. Dr. Jeremy. How's it going? Um, so <laughs> tell me, there's a, probably a lot of cases on this. What would you want to start with? Um, I would say, um, do you want a story or do you want a just some information yeah, first. Start with some information. Um, I, I guess what I'd say, what I found in you know almost all of my cases is somewhere along the line there is a failure to do something that was supposed to get done. <laughs> so whether that's a failure on the part of the employee or a failure on the part of the employer, um, it can kind of go both ways. So as far as the employees are concerned, what I always advise is to know what your rights are, know what you're entitled to under the law, whether it's for leave or benefits or compensation or anything like that. Um, You don't necessarily have to be an expert, but you should at least have some type of, you know, understanding of when your rights are or aren't being violated. Um, A lot of times people think that, you know, well, that's not right. And, you know, that shouldn't be like that. And it's like, well, no, they're, they're doing the right thing. You know, so you have to be able to to know the difference. As far as employers are concerned, I would say to make sure that your policies are current, that they are aligned with what the actual law is. Um, I always say that we have two kinds of rules, the kind that we look up and the kind that we make up. Mm. So make sure that your policies aren't full of a lot of made up rules and just enforce your policies equally you know, among all your employees, if one person is doing something and you're going to discipline or terminate that person, then make sure that everybody else that's doing the same thing is also handled the same way. So, you know, it, it becomes problematic when you pick out one person to give a hard time to, because then they're going to come back and claim some type of harassment or discrimination and they'll be able to make a case if there are other employees that are, you know, similarly situated that haven't received any type of adverse action. Mm -hmm. So what story should we start with? There's a few I have here. I'll I don't let know if you there's a, a pregnancy story because that's probably fairly common. 
um yeah pregnancy is pretty common and so it's um <laughs> it's common and, but it's also <laughs> probably common that people get treated not correctly I yes imagine. um well i've had several cases um in california we have pregnancy disability leave which is leave that you can take from the first day that you're employed with someone and it covers any type of time off that you need to take related to your pregnancy. So mm -hmm. if you're going to, if you're having issues, let's say you have morning sickness or high blood pressure, or you have to go to prenatal appointments or anything like that, PDL will cover you. So mm -hmm. you'll have time off that you can take before you actually deliver your baby. And under federal law, we also have the Family and Medical Leave Act, and those two run together. So you have PDL and FMLA running up to the time that you deliver, and then PDL runs for a little bit afterward, depending on if you have a, let's say, standard pregnancy and delivery, delivery, or it's six weeks of disability. And if you have a cesarean, then it's eight weeks. So mm -hmm. that's usually what the doctor will certify. When your PDL is over, that's when your baby bonding starts in California. So mm -hmm. um, the California Family Rights Act, or CFRA, covers you and gives you another 12 weeks that you can use intermittently until the baby turns a year old. So on the short end, you may have, um, if you take all your time back to back, you'd be out for 18 weeks. If you take it all and extend everything to the absolute end, it's more like 28 weeks. Mm -hmm. But each case is different because some people work right up until they deliver. Some people have to go out early. They're on 100% bed rest. Right. It's all case by case. So... One of the cases that I had recently, um, it was an employee who was working where she worked for about six or seven years. And before she became pregnant, um, you know, they talked to her about becoming a manager. They wanted her to be like a, a regional manager versus just the local location where she was. And she got pregnant and went out. And in this particular case, they have a third party that handles their return to work program. So she had to turn in all her paperwork and everything else to this third party. So to make a long story short, um, she was turning the information in, but somewhere in there, they weren't calculating her time off correctly. So her employer had one date that she was supposed to return, and then the third party had another date, and she had yet another date. But none of them kind of talked to each other to reconcile what was actually permitted under the law, like how long her statutory leave should have been. So her employer was expecting her back on a certain day, and she said no. The third party said no, and then they fired her anyway while she was out. So mm. on the day that they thought that she was supposed to come back to work and she didn't come back, they're like, well, we're going to consider this job abandonment, and you don't work here anymore. So needless to say, <laughs> you know, she filed a lawsuit. And I mean, did they, like not realize that that's <laughs> that would happen when they did that well i mean i think what happens is people get very they let their emotions lead them sometimes when right. it comes to some of these things like oh well she should be back to work already or even if it's somebody with a chronic condition it's like i don't think that person's really that sick or they should be here you know or whatever and they don't take into account what the law says. So you may have your own feelings about something, right. but in her case, the law permitted her to be off for another six weeks. And she had already turned in all of her information because they kept saying, well, we need more information. It's like, well, it's one baby, you know? And so right. there, it's not like anything changed. She's still taking the same leave off for the same baby. So 
that went through um, the legal system and they ended up settling out of court. But it's so time consuming and expensive to defend yourself in a case that it's best to just get the best legal advice that you can if you're not sure and handle it that way. Because if they had engaged their counsel before they terminated her and you should at least run that through HR and run that through your counsel, um, then it probably would have never happened. I mean, there's still people who are going to, you know, go rogue and go, <laughs> go off the reservation. But at the same time, it's like, you know, it's really in your best interest to make sure that you're not violating anybody's rights because it's a pretty clean and clear cut case in those, in those situations. Mm-hmm. Any other pregnancy cases? Um, I, I've had several. I, I've done a lot of training on pregnancy cases. So, you know, knock on whatever. Um, the people that I have worked with have been very educated about, you know, when they can and can't, um, how they allow some some person leave. I would say just in general for the pregnancy cases that I've handled, it's always just bad form to terminate someone when they're on a maternity leave or they're on a disability leave just in general it just it's just i mean it's just bad so i've had a couple other cases that were strikingly similar where either they claimed well we didn't get a certification or we were expecting you back on such and such a day and there's never really anything that's done in writing because under the law if you turn something in and it's not clear or I'm not sure, then me as the employer, I'm supposed to ask you for more information. So in this day and age, there's a lot of information that gets transmitted through email and through text messages and, you know, other things like that. And I don't ever advise that for an employer. I always say, you know, send them a letter that explains what their rights are and what it is you're expecting them to do right. in the time frame that you're expecting them to do it. So mm-hmm. for a lot of my cases, it kind of, kind of comes down to the same two or three things where it's like, what information did you have? What did you tell the employee they were supposed to provide? When did you receive it? And what happened next? You know, so if you have all the information, then just let it be what it is. Let that person have their time and then just move on, you know, but I, when people get terminated, either while they're pregnant or they're not accommodated while they're pregnant or they're terminated during a maternity leave. It always, you know, a lot of those come across my desk. Has any thing happened where, um, I guess, how do you handle a situation? What if someone basically tells the company they're pregnant and the person maybe is kind of, walking on thin ice and then they do something you know before they actually are out on leave how does a company supposed to handle something like that you know let's say the okay um does that make sense? you were breaking up a lot um, no, I, <laughs> I, mean, can, the, I only heard like every other word let's Sorry. say the um i guess if there's a someone who's pregnant and mm-hmm. they're walking on thin ice anyways we made a couple warnings for whatever reason and then they tell the company they're pregnant and then in like whatever in the first like four months they do something that may warrant termination mm-hmm. are the is the company's hands tied in that situation because of that or how are they supposed um, to navigate that um no not at all there you, you what you want to do is if you have a person who has a performance problem is to deal, you're going to deal with it, with them both separately. So first and foremost, if you have an employee who has 
let's just say, a bad track record. They're on an improvement needed plan. You've given them a final warning or whatever have you. That continues. And if somewhere in this process, while you're hopefully documenting mm-hmm. and having these conversations with the employee that, you know, that they signed, that they received this memo when you counsel them and they signed that they received, you know, whatever, um, that's separate. So you can still continue with whatever it is you're doing. On the other side, when somebody says, well, I'm pregnant, okay, so what do we need to do for that? You know, do we need to have an accommodation? Do you need time off? Do you need whatever? So it becomes complicated when those two things get conflated. So I had another case, which was a disability leave case, but not a pregnancy case, where there was an employee who had worked, where she worked for, I want to say 12 years. And in those 12 years, not the most stellar employee, okay, had been suspended previously, poor performance, moved around, you know, I always call them all stars. So one of my all stars, you know, that was that was getting kind of just, just not doing well. And so at some point, they were probably going to terminate her. So she got ill and was out for I think a total of two weeks. So she sent in her certification for the first week. And then the second week, she sent it in through fax, but it never went through. So within the three days that they have, they sent her a letter that says, we haven't heard from you. You haven't shown up for work. So we're going to consider this job abandonment. Well, okay. But (laughs) first of all, she had worked there for 12 years. And I would like to think that if I've worked somewhere for 12 years and I didn't, I just stopped showing up for work, especially after I had been sick, somebody maybe would have called me. There would have been like some wellness check or something that went on. And then they didn't do that. They just sent a letter that said, you know, as of such and such a date and time, you're terminated. But what happened was she had like a receipt from the place where she had faxed her termination, her certification. And she had one of the digits off, like one of the things were Mm. off. She just left it with them and then she left and then it never went through it, which is not the end of the world. Basically under the law, if you have to extend your time off, there's a window of time for you to have, um, initially it's 15 days to turn in a certification and I'll give you a provisional leave in that time. And then if I don't receive anything, I still reach out to you again to say your, you know, original certification has expired. I need another one to extend your leave. And none of that was done. So they just immediately went to termination. And that again, ill-advised just because you don't know what happened. You know, the person said they were sick, they were hospitalized the week before. You don't, I've had employees that don't show up for work because they passed away at home, Mm. you know, and they live alone or they're still hospitalized or they're in a coma or just anything you can imagine. So because she wasn't the greatest employee, they just figured, well, this is a nice little out for us. And so again, that went to litigation and, um, when I, they ended up again, settling out of court. Hmm. What about, I don't know if this falls under the discrimination piece, but the the diabetic situation? Um, It is because, you know, obviously diabetes is a chronic condition. And I had another case where the person was, he was a truck driver. And on a Friday afternoon, someone had noticed a prescription bottle in the break area with his name on it. And it was for medication for diabetes. And under the Department of Transportation provisions, you can't be an insulin dependent diabetic and still drive a truck. So 
that was Friday. And then on Monday morning, they terminated him. So without doing an investigation or trying to find out information or anything, they just said, you're terminated because you're an insulin dependent diabetic. But with most trucking companies and with this one in particular, um, you have to go to the doctor every year and get a full physical to make sure that you're still in a proper condition to drive a truck. So, and these are 18 wheelers, I should say. So like commercial trucks, not just um, small pickups or anything like that. And so they fired him Monday morning and then, you know, fast forward to when I get involved in the case and it's being litigated. And what happened was they never did an investigation. They never called him in to ask questions or anything. They just saw the, the, the medication and just assumed it was his. So it turns out that he was diabetic, but his diabetes was controlled otherwise. And he had a son who was also diabetic and his son had the same name. So the medication actually belonged to his son and not to him. But by then they had already fired him. So he just decided to go, you know, the litigation route. And again, this was an employee that had worked there, I want to say almost 15 years and, you know, didn't get kind of the benefit of being able to tell his story. And there's no way that between close of business Friday and opening a business on Monday, you've really, you know, vetted that whole situation to find out what happened so if they would have waited it would have been legitimate because he actually did in fact have the condition he had the condition but there's a provision you have to be insulin dependent to to Uh, not so if he's controlling his diabetes through diet and exercise or whatever then he's fine mm. but his son you know was insulin dependent and he wasn't so had they just asked the question or at least you know done an investigation or just handled it a little more appropriately then it would have never you know they would have never known me you know i wouldn't have evolved to the point where they were in litigation or needed an expert witness for anything yeah so regina you don't have to say the type of case or what happened but what's what's the biggest uh settlement you've seen that I've personally handled um, was just under $4 million. Whoa. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, it gets serious out there. Um, Especially when it's, you know, statistically, if you are a plaintiff and your case goes to a trial, you have like a, it's like a 70 something percent chance of winning. And then if you win, Mm. you have a, I want to say off the top of my head, it's like a 90% something of getting um, close to a seven figure settlement. Really? Because when you think about it, you know, the jury is full of employees. They're not in full, they're not full of employers. So they're going to identify with the plaintiff. (laughs) You know, they're going to be like, yeah, man, get in, you know, and they're not going to be thinking, (laughs) (laughs) right. You know, it's just like, we can't, you know, we're not here to protect, you know, the corporate interests unless they're, you know, if you're a corporation, like I was actually on a jury and it was funny because I thought I was going to get the DQ. Yeah, <laughs> that's why would they let you on? <laughs> you know, and one of the questions was, do you ha- have you ever worked in human resources or anything like that? And I'm like, yeah, you know, so I'm thinking I'm done. So we went through Vardier. They asked me all the questions and I said, yeah, I've been in human resources. At the time, I think I had, this is before I became an expert, with, just before. And I think I had been in, in HR definitely over 10 years by then. And I said, you know giving them all my background, tell them about my degrees. And I'm thinking I'm walking out of there and they were like, nope, we don't have a problem with your number seven. And I was like, ah, and that case went on for three months. Yeah. So basically it was an HR director who had been terminated 
And the basis for her termination was that she wasn't performing. And they had, she had worked there, I want to say like two years. And so what happened was the company was like, we're not going to settle because we didn't do anything wrong. So they brought in everybody, like their, their CFO, their CEO, people from their board, her coworkers, her staff, everybody was like, you know what? She never really understood what was going on. So like, for example, she got some information from the accounting department and she was accusing them of paying bonuses um, that weren't being reported to the IRS. So she was accusing them of fraud. And so her her defense was, well, I was a whistleblower and that's why they fired me. So they brought in an economist. They brought in all kinds of experts. So it was very interesting to see it from the other side before I became an expert wow. who kind of explained, you know, how bonuses are paid, how they're taxed, um, to just talk about, you know, all the details. And she ended up actually losing her case. So mm. it was it was very interesting because it's it's, you know, when people file a lawsuit against their employer, people automatically think, oh, they're just, you know, trying to get cash and they're trying to, you know, do whatever. And in most of the cases I've handled, it's it's that's not it at all, because you're talking about forfeiting at least two years of your life, you know, to go through the litigation process, <clears throat> excuse me, and have your case heard in a courtroom and the expense that's involved to just retain an attorney, um, to retain experts to have everything reviewed to you know depositions all of the stuff that you have to go through to get to a resolution it's it's not what people think it is i think you know somebody right. hear about you know this person got you know eight hundred thousand dollars yeah but probably half of that goes to their attorney right. by the time all is said and done unless you know they also get attorney's fees on top of their um punitive damages or whatever they decide, whatever the jury awards. And then you just lost, you know, two years of your life. So people come up with yeah. a lot of different health problems after they've been terminated. You know, people who have worked somewhere for 15 years, there's a lot of depression, there's a lot of emotional distress, mm. there's a lot of other things that go along with being deprived of your livelihood that add up down the road. But, you know, there's you have to be compensated somehow, but it's difficult to put a price on those things. So even if you right. end up with a big settlement, you know, I've seen people get depressed and kind of never come back from it. Jeez. On that high note, check out <laughs> Regina RamoyoConsulting.com. <laughs> right. No, but. And on something best. No, thank okay. you. I mean, it's, it's all very, very interesting. And that's why they leave it to experts like you who have been doing it for years and years. So check out Regina RomeoConsulting.com. Regina, thanks again. Thanks, Dr. Jeremy. If you've been enjoying the show, tell a friend and share my links all over your social media because the best endorsement is word of mouth and that's how I grow my audience. Also take a moment to go onto iTunes and leave me a rating review so other people that we don't know that we're not friends with yet can also find my show. All right, breadwinners, that's it for me for now. Thank you very much for listening in and keeping in touch. I read everything that you submit and I appreciate all of your feedback and your comments. You can find me online at officepoliticsradio.com. My site has links to all of my social media platforms as well as my contact information. If you have any other questions, comments, or show ideas, just get in touch with me. Have a great work week. Be nice to your HR staff. And until I talk to you again, behave yourselves.